1: Premier Structures is located in Athens, Alabama and serves all of North Alabama and is licensed in Alabama and Tennessee. To find your career with Premier Structures, go to premierstructures.com or give them a call at 256-232-2092. Bob Sykes Barbecue has a big announcement. They are now delivering to your home or office. Just order online and we'll take care of the rest. That's BobSykes.com. Bob Sykes Barbecue is open Monday through Thursday, 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. Check them out at BobSykes.com. Sometimes life brings you a moment you always will remember. Some of nature's most beautiful creations framed by places we know and cherish. Fuquay's Southern Soul Food is available at two locations, one in Rogersville in the Foodland Shopping Center on Highway 72 and one in Hartzell at 711 Nanceford Road. Enjoy the salad bar and various delicious meats, vegetables, desserts on the all-you-can-eat buffet. Open Tuesday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., Saturday, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Go see my friends at fuquay Southern Soul Food in Rogersville or Hartzell and tell them the Mark White Show sent you. Now, with tomatoes and other fresh produce, J. Calvert Farms in Coleman, Alabama, is ready to serve you. Located at 30 County Road 260, Coleman, Alabama, you can go to their website at jcalvertfarms.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram at jcalvertfarms. Give them a call at 256-636-2752. That's J. Calvert Farms in Coleman, Alabama. Hey, everybody, this is Daryl Worley, and you're listening to The Mark White Show. Hey, step up and make a difference like he does. This is Nico Johnson from Andrew
2: Rouge Alabama, assistant football coach at University of Texas. Be where your feet
0: are. you listen to The Mark White Show.
1: Hey, y'all, this is Jeff Foxworthy. And you, yeah, you can make a huge difference in somebody's life. You just may not have figured out how yet. And that's why you're listening to The Mark White Show.
0: Hi, I'm Crystal Gale, and you're listening to The Mark White Show. And one smile
1: can make a difference.
0: Hello, I'm Gene Stallings, and this is the Mark White Show. Get off the sideline and get involved and make a difference in your community. You are listening to the Mark White Show. My daddy is your host, Mark White.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Mark White Show. I'm glad that you can be with us today. As we focus on a very special baby, her name is Megan Dindy, and I have her mom Renee with me right now as Megan is being treated at Le Hospital. Welcome to the show, Renee. Thank you. Tell us your experience so far and what Megan has gone through.
2: You know, we didn't get the trisomy diagnosis like I was telling you last night right off the get-go. It, it started out with her CPAM and I was telling her, you know, I had been preparing to bury my child since the time I found out that I was having a little girl. And as a mom of four boys and this being our little girl, you know, it, it kind of hit a little hard at first. But, um, you know, I just came to the conclusion that if this is the way God wanted to give me a little girl, then this is the way I was going to take the way God gave her to me. I mean, it didn't matter how he gave her, how long he gave her. This is what he wanted. And that was very, very hard at first. It was. I will not lie. I probably tried every day until the day she was born. Because I didn't think we would make it to that day. Right. So we made it to that day. And all of the preparation got us to that day. Um, which We didn't have very much interference. You know, they just basically monitored her and that CPAM that, after she got here, they they weren't as prepared for what they got. You know, they were expecting this itty bitty little CPAM because that's all they were able to see. And at two days old, they're calling me from one hospital, FaceTiming me, and we're like, you know, we're going to do this because we can't, we don't understand. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't understand? And they said, well, she shouldn't be as sick as she is, you know. Um, For what we see on an x-ray or on a sonogram, all we see is this one little bitty CPAM. And I was like, well, I said, where's her heart? And they said, well, it's on the right side of her chest. I said, okay. I said, when we started this, she had a very large CPAM of micro cysts on the top upper lobe. And she had a small macro cyst underneath it which is the dark spot that you're saying that you're seeing and I think that the big area is still there I said there has to be because the small one is not bumping up against her heart that much I mean it it, it can't be it's not big enough to push her heart over the way it is And he's like, okay, we're going to do this CT where we put in the dye and we watch the blood flow. He said, you're saying there's something else there? And I'm like, yes, there's something else there. It didn't go away like they initially thought it did by giving me steroid injections. It just blended in. He called me back, I guess, an hour after they did it. And he said, you're right. We need to get it out. He said, it's just—it's huge. It's just solution blood. We've got to get it out. Okay. So that's where my journey started with Megan. <laughs> wow. Yeah, at two days old, I was I was getting out of the hospital across the road and trying to get to the hospital before her surgery. And, and I just remember Dr. J, when he come back in, the surgeon, after he had her surgery, it ended up lasting about an hour longer than he expected it to. And, you know, and I asked him, I said, well, how many CPAMs? do y'all see, you know, this is very rare. This is, I've never heard of this before, you know. And he said, well, he is number six this year. He said, prior to this year, we had only seen maybe one or two a year. And you're talking about a major hospital, children's hospital, and that's the number of CPAMs they see a year. Which kind of blew me away. I'm like, okay, so this is something off the wall, you know, not even normal. And, of course, when he came in after surgery, he said, okay. He said, um, I'm going to need a drink and a nap after this one. He said, I'm not exactly sure what was in there. He said, we had a spam. He said, but her upper lobe and her lower lobe had fused together and connected. And we had to go in and find the... Entry point of where to separate it to remove the upper lobe to have the CPAM in it because it can't stay there. And he said, We just all three put our heads and hands together and just started winding and twisting and putting it back together and plugging little air holes and everything else. So he was miraculous. I mean, it, it, it was amazing. I, I, you know, to me, that's the hand of God, you know. <laughs> It takes it takes mm, takes a lot of a lot of science, a lot of smarts, and a lot of somebody directing your traffic there to to be able to do that on such a small itty bitty day.
1: Which children's hospital, Renee, were you at first?
2: Well, we actually delivered at Regional One Hospital across the street from La and they transferred her to a l um as soon as they were able to, so I think it was within the first two hours of birth, and they were prepared for her at Lebonner because what we had been doing is um we had been traveling from Houston to Tupelo to the fraternal medicine doctors in Tupelo. We would see him once a week, and then we would come to the Lebanner paternal medicine at the outpatient center and see them. So Lavonner was prepared for us in case they had to do surgery. They didn't know if they would need to do surgery immediately, but at some point the CPAM was going to have to be removed. We were not expecting it to be removed at two days old, but that's what happened.
1: (laughs) That is amazing. And as we talked about it, you know, the trisomy 18 is, we discussed was something that was down the road. That wasn't even the initial issues. And and you talked about the doctors being surprised that Megan was diagnosed with trisomy 18.
2: Yes. And so it's really weird. So here we are, we're recovering from our CPAM and they're getting ready to extubate probably two weeks. She still has a drain tube in, but they're going to extubate and we fail extubation. It was horrific to watch. I mean, absolutely horrific. And we didn't know why, because she was on very low settings on the vent. She didn't need the settings. You know, she didn't need high oxygen. She was just getting pressures, and we just couldn't understand. And then they swap doctors. Like, the attending physicians swap out about every two weeks. And then your fellows swap out every month, which at first I hated. I didn't like that. But now I see why, because each new doctor brings something new to the table. They they've had different experiences, and that's how I guess they make sure they're not missing anything. I'm really loving it now. So the next doctor that came on said, you know, we need, this is probably about a month old now, we need to run the scope like a bronchoscope and this and that to make sure that there's no reason why we're failing excavation. because um, we failed a second time at some point. And they ran the scope and come back and they said, Okay, she has bronchomalacia And I'm like, okay, what the heck is this? <laughs> you know, where'd this come from? <laughs> so Malaysia is she has floppy airways. So it's almost like you have this cartilage that kind of keeps your airways open. And when they're not quite as developed as they need to be, they're they, they're floppy. They just kind of close up when they're not supposed to. So it was causing her issues when she was trying to breathe, even with assistance of oxygen, trying to get oxygenated. So we figured that out. So we put off excavation a third time. We just said nope, 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 because the only cure for that is to grow and develop. It's kind of like cartilage going to bone. In her case, it was like floppy going to cartilage. Okay. So they said oh, it usually takes about six months to a year for her to outgrow that. And that's when the conversation about trachs and stuff like that came up. So we had a care meeting. We got together with all the doctors and surgeons and everybody, and basically they came up with this plan um that she needed to have a trake and a g tube put in of course, she would still be connected to the vent, but she would have access to her mouth again she could learn to try to feed, she could smile, I could see her face um, I would be able to pick her up when I wanted to uh just different milestone things that she wouldn't be able to do just laying in a bed. So that's the first step. And then the second step would be um, closing her PDA in her heart. Excuse me, back up the PDA closure and then the flow reducers and then the trach. And then the final would be her heart surgery. So Friday, step two. All right. So we made it to, Two months old and her genetics results came back. Which the only reason we agreed to do genetic results is geneticists came in and they're trying to it's a research hospital, it's a learning hospital, it's a teaching hospital. Right. So they're wanting to try to connect bots. That's you know, let let can we, you know, run genetics to see if there's anything we can link this whole rare CPAM to, something that maybe stands out equally in every case we've seen, that we can say, hey, this is where it's coming from, you know. And I'm like, well, sure, you know, if it'll help anybody else, go for it. You know, if we can find a reason and this reason will help another family later down the road that comes in, let's go for it. Sure. I was not expecting anything to come back. Um, So another month goes by and her results come in and they sit me down and they say, hey, um, we got Megan's genetic results in and she has trisomy 18. And of course, they were a little more compassionate than that. But um we were all floored. And of course, the doctors were like, you know, we didn't believe it. And I'm like, what? They're like, no. They said, Dr. Weems, who was our main doctor day one, he is also the medical director of the NICU. He did not believe it. She said, upon him getting the news and every doctor she had had up until this point, they all dropped what they were doing, went to Megan's room, looked her head to toe and said, no, there's no way. This has to be wrong. And... Those were her preliminary results, and then her other results came in the next day, and they said yes, and they're like, it, it said she was mosaic. So, that's why they were like, okay, so she's not full. She just has some cells that have the third chromosome. <sighs> I've learned a lot about it, but anyway, so that's when that happened, and I mean, you know, they tried to pump the brakes, cardiology ex- tried to pump, uh, pump the brakes. They, they they, basically explained to me that with trisomy 18 babies, a lot of times they have very complex heart issues and um, that a lot of times families choose not to operate because if you look at the definition of trisomy 18, it's incompatible with life and here I am you know a mother who's already been told that everything she has is fixable by cardiology by everybody that's ever seen her for the first two months of life we've already had a care meeting we sat down with everybody we have a plan everybody knows what they're supposed to do and has already told me we could do it and that it was fixable and I'm like y'all can't be pumping the brakes just because of a name I mean y'all are scared you know what are you scared about and they're like oh you know it's just that you know we don't want to put her in through anything unnecessary and I'm like but if that wasn't the conversation we had you're you know just pumping the brakes because it's T18 and of course geneticists come in and they're like you know we've made strides you know there's several procedures we can do to get Megan, um, you know, mosaicism. We don't exactly know what it's going to affect her. And I was like, look, this is the way I think about it. You've already told me we can fix things. Yes, it's a surgical procedure after a surgical procedure after a surgical procedure. But I sent my baby off to have major surgery at two days old. And the outcome of having the surgery or not having the surgery was going to end the same. Well, not having the surgery was going to end a most definite way. Having the surgery would would have at least given us a sliver of hope. I said, I've already faced that and y'all aren't going to give up on my baby just because of a name of something that y'all are scared of because you don't know. I said, y'all have scanned her frontwards and backwards, inwards and outwards, and, you know, it's time to move forward. We should be pumping the brakes. And they agreed. Ultimately, they ended up agreeing.
0: Very good. Um, They
2: regrouped. They regrouped, rediscussed, and the doctor came back in. And she said um, they have decided to stick with the original plan as long as Megan is physically able to have the procedure and it's the safest thing to do with you know, and it's safe and it will give her the best quality of life um, without even considering the T-18. It doesn't even play a factor in their decision. I said, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's all I begged for that day. So we ended up doing the heart cast. They closed up her PDA. They put in flow reducers. So step one was done two weeks ago. Step two will do this Friday. She'll be a hundred days old Friday. Hundred days in the NICU. Um, we're gonna take a really cute picture. It's gonna say "Free Face Friday." <laughs> Huge 100
1: milestone! Hundred days. 100 days. 100 days.
2: A hundred days and we are free face, nothing <laughs> on our face. So really excited, um, nervous, but excited. Um, and then we will start our tra- training and yeah, just go from there. Hopefully by November, they'll be, have her all set up for her open heart surgery and after that, we can start making our way home to live whatever life God gives us outside of the four walls of a hospital.
1: Right now, we're talking to Renee Dendy. We're glad to have her on the show to share about Megan and what this baby has gone through. We're coming up on 100 Days on Friday. We're celebrating this milestone for this baby, and we're here to support this family. If you'll stick with me, Renee, we'll continue this conversation on the other side, Okay.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Hope you'll stick with us. You are listening to The Mark White Show, and I'm your host, Mark White.
0: Make a difference, all we have to do is try. Yeah, every day's a chance to change somebody else's life. Let's all do something good today.
1: Bob Sykes Barbecue has a big announcement. They are now delivering to your home or office. Just order online and we'll take care of the rest. That's BobSykes.com. Bob Sykes Barbecue is open Monday through Thursday, 1030 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday, 1030 a.m. to 10 p.m. Check them out at BobSykes.com.
0: Since 1943, Athens Bible School has endeavored to provide quality education in a Christian environment and to equip young people with the tools to be successful. ABS is accredited by Cognia and a member of the Alabama High School Athletic Association. This is Cora White inviting you to tune in every Saturday to Cora's Corner on the Mark White Show.
1: Hard all day. He finishes up early
0: so he can get away. Cause there's a blue kid on second base. Wants dad to watch him play. Daddy knows he's waiting. So he.
1: Welcome back to the Mark White day. Show. I'm glad that you can be with us as I have Renee Dindy on the line with me to talk about Megan. Megan has lived through 100 days this Friday. What an amazing accomplishment for this family, for the medical team, for Renee and her family. We're glad that we can celebrate with this family as Megan has hit this huge milestone. Welcome back to the show, Renee.
2: Thanks for having me back.
1: As we talked about, Renee, I'd like for people to know how you would like for them to connect with you because there may be someone out there who is experiencing something similar or going through a challenging time with their baby, and they need a community. They need someone that they can look to and say, she's handling the situation, and maybe I can find that strength within me.
2: It it takes an army. (laughs) Um, I was always one of those people that tried to do everything by myself for a very long time. and didn't really want to accept help from anybody. Um even the, even now it's it's hard for me to accept help. Um so to these people I would I would tell them to accept the help. Don't try to do it all. <laughs> don't try to do it all by yourself. Don't don't keep it all to yourself. You know, if you need to cry, cry. You need to to find somebody to cry to. I'm here, I'll cry with you. <laughs> and a lot of prayer. But um that's basically gotten me through it is a lot of prayer. Uh, um and a lot of help. Even the nurses, they're they're really nice. But um yeah. Finding people to talk to um that can relate with you especially with this diagnosis and the fact that it's so rare and not one single trisomy person has the exact same thing going on. You know Megan has her own list of things for even for a mosaic trisomy baby, and none of them are connected to trisomy at all you know so it's it's hard to really. it's hard to really connect medically or find out, you know, hey, is my baby going to be okay? Because there's just so many unknowns with that. Right. But you just got to make yourself be okay. You've got to find yourself in the middle of it. Um, Being up here in the NICU is really hard. I've I see a lot of babies that don't have anybody in the room with them, you know, and I try to be in the room with them all the time. And of course I, I talk to some of these nurses and they say, well, they have parents, but their parents aren't there or they're at work. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know, they're at work. They have to work. They have to work. They have to do things. Um, but a lot of them, parents can be there and they just choose not to, but, you can't stay locked up in all those walls forever i I try to pull longer shifts than the nurses sometimes and and I shouldn't but i've I've had to make myself leave um I have four other kids at home so and home is two and a half hours away right, so I have to split my time I have to go home and tend to a few things at home, and then I have to come back. Fortunately for me, I've gotten my mother or my father or somebody um, that has volunteered to come and and stay with her while I'm gone so she's not alone. And that makes me feel better about leaving and taking care of things that I needed to take care of so I'm not going crazy. (laughs) My mom always says, you're leaving one baby to go to another baby. Either way you go, you're leaving a baby. That's right. So... (laughs) It's it's hard, but you just got to do what you got to do to get it done.
1: Renee, have you been updating on your personal page or do you have a group or any page that's been set up so people can see updates on Megan at this point?
2: uh, Right now, it's just on my group. I mean, my my page, my personal page. Um, I've reached out on other people's, like, the one lady that I was telling you about, she's just Caroline. She is doing. She does that. Born able. You can actually get the book. It's a children's book on physical disabilities, but she's got all kinds of stuff. I don't know how much of an inspiration I would technically be. <laughs> I'm looking for it, you know. So
1: It takes all kinds, Renee. <laughs> I'll tell you I that. Know.
2: <laughs> but But, yeah, uh, I'm out here looking. I mean, I, I joined a few pages on Facebook, um, like the Trisomy 18 Parent Foundation. And I will be honest with you, it was a little sad on that page. I had to stop looking at it. The mosaicism in itself is only 5% um, according to the doctors here. So it's hard to find that five percent, you know, to really kinda get an idea of life expectancies or what they actually face. Like I said, it it, it can be anything where she has no external signs of trisomy eighteen. Like most of the characteristics they would have, that's why the doctors didn't pick up on it. They said normally when one comes, they can immediately tell this is a trisomy 18 baby. She's in, you know, with Megan, like I said, it was two months old and blood results before they knew. So, um, I know that the mama that I'm talking to right now. Even though she's writing these books and she's a really big inspiration to a lot of people, she's asking me, could it be possible that her full tri family baby be a mosaic? She's read somewhere that they could possibly be mosaic. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I've read the same thing, you know. Um, she asked about, you know, how did we know that she was mosaic versus full. And I said, well, they gave me a report and she didn't get a report. So I told her to ask for it, you know. But it's hard, it's hard to relate to people on the specific diagnosis. But as far as the struggle of a Nikki life, I can definitely relate to people with that. And the only thing I can tell them is to You've gotta you've gotta get out for a little bit you've gotta get out and you've got to allow people to help you I mean that's that's the only
1: way I've made it. I hope that connecting you to Harper's Grace, writing her own story with Trisomy eighteen, maybe yes. or Shonda and her story you know maybe that does connect in some way I, That's the only show I've done I believe with Trisomy eighteen. And that was what I thought about was in your situation, maybe there's some things you could connect with that family about and, and watch as Harper Grace, how she is growing because she's still here with us, you know, this many years later.
2: Yes. Yes, yes. I did notice that. I, I was like, wow. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what I want to see. I I, I want to see real people you know, real stories. And I hope one day we're a real story. Like you said, to to give hope to other people that, that when the doctors and the nurses, and you walk up to the nurse and they say, or you say, hey, did you hear about our diagnosis? Megan has high 18. And they say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I look at them and say, why? Well, it, that must be very hard. I'm like, the doctors didn't know I didn't know we're still here nothing's changed the situation you know that just because somebody walks up to you and says hey you have such and such it doesn't end your story so I hope that one day we can say that I mean we're saying it now we've made it to 100 days Um, so and like you said there's others out there that are making it past 100 days, making it past a year, two years, three years. Um, funny story, I actually Googled the oldest living trisomy 18 person in America, and their name is Megan Hayes. And, of course, Megan. And then my 15-month-old's name is Hayes. So I just thought that was really funny.
1: <laughs> How old was Megan? 40
2: years old they're 40 years old. Okay. So. So there is hope. There is hope.
1: Yeah, that Megan's been around almost as long as I have.
2: Yeah, I'm 41. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are you handling this financially so far? I know that you've had support from one t-shirt business as they were trying to raise funds, well, but how have people been able to help you financially?
2: So um, I quit work actually back when I found out about the CPAM. Not when I found out, but I was having to go to the doctor every week. I was unable to work at that point. Fortunately for us, my husband works with his family-owned business. Other than my not having any more income, it really hasn't affected us. Fortunately for us we got Megan on Medicaid so right now her medical bills are covered.
1: That's when great to hear.
2: Home, yeah. Yeah, me too. When she gets home things might change. We might have I don't know what Medicaid will cover. I know she'll have to have um to even be able to get home we'll have to have 24 hour Nursing care for at least the first two weeks. Um, and then we are having to get a generator. Okay, so you were asking me, honestly, just we live in a very close knit community. And fortunately, my husband has not had to go unpaid. So, other than my little bit of income, which really was insignificant at that point, anyway. Um, that's all we're lacking and we just cut back and we had several family members. We've had, um, one little fundraiser early on before Megan was born, um, like a gift basket raffle where people just bought chances on the gift basket and our local community just donated items to put in it. Uh, We actually raised about $3,000. That was to cover mostly travel expenses. During the time, we were having to go to Tupelo, and we were actually making about three appointments a week out of town. So that was for that. We'd had several people just make monetary donations, so we've been okay. Um, The T-shirt fundraiser that you're seeing is actually – my best friend, my husband's brother, is an auctioneer, and they are actually doing a benefit for Megan at the end of September like an auction, um, meal, entertainment, and that's where the t shirts are coming into play. Very good. So, that's what they're doing to get all of that together, to hopefully pay for our generator, um, to hopefully pay for my long-term not being able to work anymore, and to pay for all of Megan's medical supplies that we're going to need. That, you know, insurance only covers so much um, per month normally. I remember that was my diabetic stuff. They only sent you so much per month. If you needed extra, you had to go get it out of pocket. Or if it got held up in the mail and you needed it right now, you had to go pay for it. So, I'm one of these. We live almost in the middle of nowhere. The closest children's hospital is in Tupelo and it's 45 minutes away. So, like, I want to back up the vent if we have to come home with the vent. And, of course, fake supplies, uh Jeep food supplies and what else was she doing? of course we'll have the vent, so we'll have vent supplies. But you know, she'll need we'll need a generator for power outages and a backup vent and backup supplies, stroller, wagon, rolling cart, storage you know just whole works. And then if we have to pay for any home nursing out of pocket so we're hoping that's what the benefit will help us cover
1: and that benefit will take place in houston mississippi
2: it will it will they will have it at a community center in houston mississippi and uh normally they do really really well like i said it's a very close-knit community um I think the last one I attended raised $30,000.
1: Incredible.
2: So, yes, big, big hearted community.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll be looking for that fundraiser. And when you share a flyer or something with me, then I'll share it with the Mark White Show listeners so they can know what's happening too and keep track.
2: Yeah. um, Basically, uh, she and another girl are heading. the the girl that did the T-shirt, and my brother-in-law are getting it together. He's the auctioneer. And um, we have a time and date. We have entertainment. We've got food, you know. And basically what they'll do is they'll reach out to people in the community for donations for auction items is what they'll do. Um, It could be anything from gift cards donated to furniture donated, you know and they'll spend from 6 o'clock to whenever they can get it all auctioned off and auction it off to the whoever comes. They're quite interesting if you had not been to one.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds like a plan. Maybe I'll make it over to Houston, Mississippi to check that out.
2: <laughs> hey, that'd be great. If, <laughs> if you've never been to one, you, you're definitely in for a treat because they're always for really, really good causes. Um, The last one I went to was for a baby girl that was born at the same time or around the same time as my 15-month-old, and she kind of went through the same stuff as we went through, but hers was, she had some stuff in her brain, um, and anyway, ultimately ended up being diagnosed with epilepsy, and... Le Bonner unfortunately, at the time was not taking their insurance, but that's where they wanted to continue care um, because that's where they had gotten her initial diagnosis and initial stuff. And anyway, they were basically told that the insurance company wouldn't pay anymore. So the community came together and did an auction and raised the money so that they could get continuance of care until the insurance companies and the hospital agreed. So, yeah, they raised, I know, over $30,000.
1: Well, Renee, we're on this journey with you. When you need something or Megan has an update that you would like to share with people, I'm happy to share with listeners as Megan continues to move forward in this process. 100 days coming up on Friday. That's exciting, I know, and it's been a lot of work to get to that point.
2: Yes. Yes, it has a lot of work So we got a little bit more to go, but one day at a time. That's all you can do. That's That's right. That's the life of a One One day at a time. What was my last saying? One day at a time, and in God's time. I hope so. Thank you. And if if, you know if I can do anything to help anybody else, you you let me know also, or just send them to me.
1: I'll do that. (laughs) You have a good night, Renee. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. When we talk about relationships, I do want to mention my friends over at Marmac Real Estate. They take great pride in the relationships that they build and always work relentlessly for their customers to help them achieve their real estate goals. You can check out Marmac Real Estate at marmac.us and tell them the Mark White Show sent you.
0: With the Bible at the foundation, with all of our curriculum from pre-K to 12, ABS has something unique to offer. Find out more information at AthensBible.com.
2: This is Cammie Cotler and I played Elizabeth on the Waltons. Cora's Corner is coming up next, so stick around to hear a wonderful story.
0: It's never too early to save for college.
1: Contact Brad Wallace, your Edward Jones financial advisor, on Hughes Road in Madison, Alabama. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Welcome to another edition of Cora's Corner with Cora White. Today, Cora will be reading a book titled, My Favorite Book, from Goodwill Incorporated in Gastonia, North Carolina. And now, here's Cora White.
0: For this new morning with its light, for rest and shelter of the night, for health and food, for love and friends, for everything that goodness sends, I am thankful. Now birds are busy raising their babies. Sometimes they're bringing food to them in the morning when I wake. Sometimes when morning lights the sky and gladness fills the air, I feel like telling others of the beauty of the world. A bunch of magic keys is mine to make each day with gladness shine. Good morning is the magic key which unlocks every day to me. An evening comes, good night I say, and lock the door of that glad day. When at the table, if you please, I take from my bunch of keys. When friends give anything to me, I use my magic thank you key. But every day I mean to see each chance to use a magic key. All things bright and beautiful, all things large and small, All things wise and wonderful we must respect and love them all. Sometimes when trees are standing tall with branches in the air, I feel like saying how large they are and I am so very small. How wonderful my body and the mind which I think. How wonderful to have my help and be able to enjoy whatever I eat and drink. How faithfully each day I then must do the things I should to keep my body well and strong, my mind clean, pure, and good. But no one has to wind me up with a string or a key. I walk and talk, I run and laugh, I think and hear and see. The little stars are put to sleep and the sun wakes up each day. I'm very glad for I'm a child who likes to run and play. How nice it is to stand and view the great big sky, so lovely and blue. I love my dog, and he loves me. He is my pet and plays with me. I'm kind to him in every way, and we are happy every day. Here is my little new red drum. Listen, it sounds trum tum tum How do friendly children play? I know, I know. They share their blocks and share their toys with other little girls and boys because it is the right and happy way. When friends visit me someday, I'll share my ball to play. I think they'd like this picture book. We'll turn the pages as we look. I want to grow and do the things I should to be to others kind and good. In all I do, in all I say, to be more loving every day. Sing about my birthday, it comes but once a year. Glad I am to live and grow, see and feel and hear. Children should be helpers and always want to be sharing work and happiness in their family. Sometimes my daddy works at home to make our place look trim. And when he works out in the yard, I'll go along with him. I pick up old bones my dog has left and bits of paper while I talk. When daddy mows the grass, I sweep the cuttings off the walk. I'm big enough to put my toys away, hang up my coat and hat to help my mother and to come quickly when she calls. We saw a field without a weed. The farmer was at work planting seed. First came sunshine. Then came rain. We saw it again. It was growing grain. We saw it later. It was golden wheat, soon to be bread for someone to eat. Tune in next week for part two of my favorite book.
1: You have been listening to another episode of Chorus Corner from Cora White. Here on the Mark White Show, we're recognizing difference makers and sharing their stories to encourage and inspire and I hope that you'll share the show with your family, your friends, and your neighbors. Let them know about the Mark White Show and what we're trying to do to make a difference in our communities around the country and the world. I want you to follow the Mark White Show on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to the Mark White Show podcast wherever you get your podcast. You have been listening to another edition of the Mark White Show, and this is Mark White
0: and Cora White,
1: encouraging you
0: to find your purpose
1: by making a difference
0: in someone's life
1: today. today.
0: These are my kind of people.